listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM, coming to you right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 and 88. To this morning we've got Gary Webster in the studio. Welcome, Gary. Good day to you, Jason. Great to be here again. How are you? I'm really great. That's good. Uh, today we'll be continuing your series, Lifetime Search, and uh What's your your title today is called Transformed. I won't ask you just yet what that's going to be talking about, but uh, we'll get into that fairly soon. Uh, Gary, yesterday, I just want to share with our listeners, we did have a problem yesterday. If you were trying to listen to our program yesterday with David Leo, we had a technical problem, and uh, we did get a good recording of that, and it is up on the Faith FM website. So if you want to go back and listen to yesterday's program with David Leo, uh, you can do that on the faithfm.com.au website, or you can use the app on your phone or tablet. So, yeah, p- please do catch up on that if you uh, if you missed it. We're sorry that we had a technical problem, but we've got it resolved today. So, uh, Gary, um, last week you shared an experience that you had on your travels, and it was uh, something about, I think, a, a, an accident with, between a bus and a yeah, vehicle. Yeah, Egypt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, you've got something else to share, another, another experience that you had uh, on a trip somewhere. Yeah, well, I've had a lot of unbelievable things happen on on tri- on tours, uh, Jason. You always have a lot of fun, but you also have some experiences that uh, that are interesting. What one that happened to me was it was my wallet losing my wallet, I, and uh, perhaps I'll, I'll I'll share a little bit a little bit about that. Um, the program actually is called Transformed. Uh, with a with a subtitle, a journey into the supernatural. Okay. So I, I want to share this morning some some stories actually, that in, in my opinion are irrefutable evidence that there's someone out there, Jason. That we're, we're not alone uh, as we travel through this this planet. Uh, there's some there's someone watching over. So that's that's where I want to take us. Let, let me go back. Uh, 2005 it was. I was touring actually on my own this time, and I was in the city of Rome. And Rome's not a great place to have your wallet in your back pocket. Mm. Uh, a lot of pickpockets in in Rome and some places in Italy. Um, people, some some guys, young people like to take advantage of that in some places, and not just young people. Anyway, um, I, I I was I was walking around Rome all day. Went to the forum where the ancient Romans, you know, had their palaces and all that sort of thing, and visiting the Colosseum and so on. And I, you know, you spend a whole day walking when you. When you're doing those things, and uh, so I finally, about nine o'clock at night, I thought, well, time to have a bit to eat. I hadn't eaten all day, so I went to a pizza shop as you would in Rome, and uh, got this nice pizza. Then went to hand over the money, and uh, lo and behold, my wallet wasn't in my pocket. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought, whoa, what are we going to do here? I mean, you've got your credit cards in it, you've got your some cash in there, but mm, you know, you're, you're sort of stuck when yeah. you when that happens. So I went back to my hotel room and I just prayed. I said, hey, God, please, I need your help. I'm caught between a rock and a hard place here. I really need your help. And I thought, well, I better retrace my steps for the day. Now I remember, you so see, I, when I when I travel, Jason, I, I carry a backpack with all my camera gear in it, and um, I remembered I took the backpack off in a couple of places and usually I put my wallet actually in, in the backpack, in the backpack. Yeah. and, and uh, so I thought it was only two places I uh, what I think I opened up the thing you know changing uh, cards you know 
what do you call those cards? You know, this for your, for your cameras? Um, yeah, your memory cards. Memory cards, yeah, yeah that's, yep. that's the word I'm trying to find. Yeah. Anyway, so I thought, well, one of those places is locked. I mean, this was this was uh, in the Forum area, actually on the what we call the Palatine Hill. I'd been up there, and I thought, no, nah, well, I can't get in there, that's for sure. And I thought, there was one more place, but uh, that was on a huge roundabout. They've got these big roundabouts in, in, in Rome, and I thought, no, nah, if, if I changed my... Uh, my memory cards there, which I I did, I thought, and that thing slipped out. It's not going to be there now. <laughs> but I thought, well, it's I better I better go have a look. So I prayed and I said, God, don't please, you know, help me. So I went I went down. That's about a half an hour walk to get down there from my hotel. And yeah, big roundabout, and there's a bench there. So sure enough, no wallet there. So oh, that's it. Now you got to remember, this is dark now. So. Then something said to me in my head, look over the edge. Well, I looked over the edge and I couldn't see anything. But I felt, well, let me do it. So with my legs sticking up in the air and my hand reaching down as far as I could on the ground, the first thing I hit was my wallet. Wow. I I could not believe it. I, I went back to the hotel and I thought, this is absolutely awesome. Not because I found the wallet. I mean, I'm glad for that. But I thought, someone out there is looking after little old me. Mm. That was the the impression I had. Because I could not see, you know, um, but it hit my hand hit the wallet. I just was, it blew me away, Jason. I thought, somebody's out there and they, they, they care about me. Mm. Yeah, It's amazing, you know, something like that for me. Now, look, Jason, a few weeks ago, um, in one of our earlier programs, uh, you shared uh, an amazing story about a health issue you had. You, that was after the program. I remember one day we were just chatting together. Yeah. And I said to you, look, Jason, you've got to share this with our listeners. So what about doing that right now? Because, you know, it fits into this supernatural thing, in my opinion. So perhaps you could just share with our listeners uh, what that, uh, you know, that discussion we had a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Um I'll, I'll share uh, what I can in a, in a condensed form, but uh, in 2008, many years ago, I uh, was diagnosed with stage 3 melanoma, which is a skin cancer, but stage 3 means it's already spread uh, to the lymphatic system. So that was uh, back in 2008, and in those days, there really wasn't any uh, effective treatment for melanoma, it, um, or, you know, particularly once it, it had spread through the lymph system. So... Um, you know, with surgery and, uh, you know, just trying to live a healthy, uh, lifestyle, mm. I believe God sustained me for 10 years, during which time, uh, new treatments became available. So that was the, I guess, the first part of that. But really, uh, the, the first, um, experience that really blew me away, I guess, was that, a week or two before uh, I was diagnosed stage four, God led me to study a passage of scripture in in the Bible. Second um, Chronicles chapter twenty talks oh, about the story, story of Jehoshaphat, yeah. and Jehoshaphat was facing an unwinnable battle against three armies that, that they had no hope of winning this battle with with their you know small army, and. Uh, one of his uh, men, you know, pray or they prayed, and one of his men received a message from God that said, "Don't worry, basically, don't be afraid. The battle's not yours; it's mine," says uh-huh. God. And um, and what was amazing was that this was about a week or two uh, before I was diagnosed with stage four melanoma, 
which uh, when I found out the extent of it, I had uh, tumours throughout my body, um, some large ones in my lungs and and uh, many, many tumours, including uh, brain tumours as well. Wow. And uh, in essence, you know, that is um, a death sentence. I, I never asked I never asked for a prognosis because I never wanted hear, <laughs> to hear somebody say yeah, how long I have to live, you know. Mm. And so... Um, yeah, I, the, the, just the fact that God had prepared me for that news mm. ahead of time was amazing to me because when I got the news, I'd already been thinking that, hang on, this is not my battle, this is God's battle, mm. you know, and so I had to yeah, hand that's, it over. That's, that's incredible. So you, you, God, God, through his word, was sort of setting you up for what was to come. What was to come. Yeah, mm. I, I didn't know what was going to happen. You know, yeah. I didn't know that I was going to get that news. Um, so uh, the, the next thing that was really quite amazing was that um, the first treatment was actually radiation on the brain tumour, which I had to go to Melbourne to, to have. And I'd been uh, the week earlier to have a preparatory session and, and it was very uncomfortable and, uh, you know, as they created this mask that you have to put on that... Uh, uh, they they sort of bolt you down in you know they lock you in so you don't move during the treatment and uh, it was a very unpleasant experience and I knew I had to face it again uh, but this time with the radiation as well and um, you know radiation was very foreign to my thinking mm. you know beaming radiation into my brain you know <laughs> in particular <laughs> yeah, it's, no, it's not a pleasant thought no. um, and I was I was quite anxious and quite fearful I, I knew I had people praying. Um, but on the bus on the way to the hospital, uh, I was just searching through passages of Scripture that God had given me before to try to get some comfort, you know, mm. some reassurance that this was the right path and, and it was going to be okay. And I came across um, a passage of Scripture in Isaiah 41, and um, I'll, just, I'll just read it, and we need to go to a break soon. So I'm going to read the passage, but yeah. uh, maybe after the break yeah, I'll, finish, want to hear the I'll rest. finish the the rest of the story. Um, but the passage is uh, Isaiah 41, 9 to 13. And just as I read this, I want you to put in your mind that my enemies, this battle that I was fighting, my enemies was the, was the cancer yeah. and the tumours. Mm. And, uh, and I was just about to go in to have radiation treatment. And, and this was the passage that came to me that God led me to. I have called you back from the ends of the earth, saying, You are my servant, for I have chosen you and will not throw you away. That verse in itself was mm. really significant because you feel like you're being discarded when mm. you've got a stage four, you know, effectively a terminal diagnosis. You feel like you, you, you're going to be thrown away. Yeah, you're done. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Great words. See all your angry enemies lie there, confused and humiliated. Anyone who opposes you will die and come to nothing. You will look in vain for those who tried to conquer you. Those who attack you will come to nothing. For I hold you by your right hand, I the Lord your God, and I say to you, don't be afraid, I am here to help you. So wow. I'm going to leave it on that. Um, but awesome, awesome, comforting words, aren't they? Just remember that my enemies was was the cancer and the and the cancer cells and the tumours that were in my body. And uh, this uh, passage, I'll, I'll I'll describe how I 
envisage this passage uh, after the break. That'll be great. This, uh, this first song that we're going to play is called Still, and it's a beautiful song. It really talks about how God goes ahead, and uh, I certainly believe God went ahead in my uh, circumstances and, and prepared the way. This is by Hilary Scott and the Scott family. God alone But sometimes I still try to take control Cause I get scared when I can't see the end And all you want from me is to let go You're parting waters Making a song there Jason isn't it now Jason you were going to share more about your story I'm looking forward to it so why don't you keep going yeah so I just read this passage and uh, um, just imagining I'm sitting on the bus heading to the hospital for my radiation treatment quite anxious and and uh, afraid of what was about to occur but having read this passage 
I got this vision that, um, you know, my angry enemy is lying there confused and humiliated. Anyone who opposes you will die and come to nothing. This told me that this treatment was going to actually help with, uh, you know, confusing my enemies. You know, that's mm. essentially what radiation does. Radiation affects the DNA of the cancer so that it can't replicate and continuing, you know, to continue to grow and spread. And so this image fitted so accurately with what was about to happen in the radiation treatment. And, and it gave me comfort that, okay, God does want me to go ahead with this and, it's going to work. And then uh, you will look in vain for those who tried to conquer you. Those who attack you will come to nothing. To me, this gave me a picture that I have held on to and have had to hold on to, you know, for the last few years, that at some point you will look in vain for those who tried to conquer you. To me, mm. that says they're going to look at some point and there's going to be no cancer there. Mm, yeah. And um, I was fortunate that nine months after treatment, I was declared all clear. Wow, beautiful. Didn't stop there (laughs) because then about uh, four or five months later, they told me it was coming back Uh, in the brain tumour. And so I had another 12 months of uncertainty about what was going on in the brain tumour and uh, they were monitoring it with regular scans. And last year, in uh, the end of oh, no mid August, actually, I, the neurosurgeon was monitoring, and he said, "Okay, it's time that we go in. We think it really is recurring this mm-hmm. this brain tumor." Bearing in mind the statistics are that people with stage four melanoma um, with brain metastases, according to the Australian Cancer Council website, have a an, a, a median survival of two point eight to four months. Oh, just months. Months, 2.8 to 4 months. I've read other reports uh, that you say around 12 months, um, With and this is with all the modern treatments, you know, with all the, the current stuff. So anyway, so uh, 12 months monitoring this brain tumour, and um, eventually the neurosurgeon says, no, it's changing, we've got to go in and we'll take it out, And uh, because if it is cancer, it's better that it comes out. If it's not, then we need to find out what it is, because it was causing some swelling as well. I had the surgery in uh, mid-August last year and um, I spent. I went into hospital on Sunday night, came out Wednesday afternoon and uh, the pathology showed that everything that they took out uh, you know, and everything surrounding the tumour was dead tissue and no active melanoma. Wow, that's incredible. So again, huh. even though I was being told by a number of uh, you know, specialists, I guess, that uh, this was likely cancer this message from isaiah mm-hmm. held true that even though you know all mm. the scans that they, they could do you know, i had so many tests and different things and they were uncertain but in the end they became more certain that it was mm. uh, was cancer but uh, when they took it out put it under the microscope there was no active mm. cancer there so That's now for you jason now my scans are completely clear mm. And I really believe that um, this message that God gave me three odd years ago, mm. um, you know, has has eventually sort of, fully sort of, been proven. <laughs> there's sort of two things that come into the supernatural area: the very fact that you got those particular promises, wasn't it? You know, and then of course the the event itself mm. where, where you're standing there. So yeah. that's that that illustrates to me the, the 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 fact that there is someone out there that uh, that uh, is is watching over this planet. Um, 
Let me share with you another one, Jason, from the Bible itself this time. Um, I want to go take our listeners to ancient Babylon. We've, we've been there a couple of times in previous programs. But this, is, this story I'm going to share is supported by a tablet that you can see in the British Museum. <laughs> in fact, uh, 2000, I don't know, was it 15 or 16? I yeah, sorry, yeah, 2015. I I went. To, I was on my way to Poland to to share some programs on archaeology and Bible prophecy, and I thought, ah, look, I need to go to the British Museum. I'm that part over that part of the world, so let me go there and I want to get some photographs of some of the some of the ancient. Uh, tablets, clay tablets they have from Mesopotamia. So when I when I got there, on the sign on the door says, uh, this part of the museum is closed for renovations. And I thought, great, I've come all this way, uh, especially instead of going straight to Warsaw in Poland, I went via London and, and, the, and the museum's closed. So anyway, I get to Poland. I thought after a couple of weeks there, I had, uh, you know, halfway through my time there, I thought, I need to go back to London. You know, it doesn't cost you much when you get from Warsaw to London. Uh, let me let me try again. So I went onto the internet site. Is this is this part of the museum still closed? And it said uh, it's now, you know, it's, it's open on, on a certain date because that's what it had on the sign on the door. And I said, okay. So I thought, okay, it looks like it's open. So I get get to, to London that day and only to see the notice on the door again, this, this is closed. So I thought, oh, man, I've got to see this tablet that I'm going to talk about. So I went to the lady on the desk and I says, hey, look, you know, I'm from down under there. It's a long way. And um, I come to see this particular tablet. And, and you know, it said that, that this would be open and it's not open. What can you do? She says, oh, I can't do too much. So, but look, well, let me get someone from down the basement where they keep all these things. So this lady comes up and she says, oh, look, we're so sorry, Mr. Webster. That, you know, our website didn't, you know, it said this, but this is not open. It says, come with me. So she takes me down to the basin. And down the basement, she says, uh, what would you like to see? What would I like to see? So I rattle off quite a few things I wanted to see. And she brought them all out, uh, gives them to me. You know, you, she's wearing gloves uh, and, and lets me lets me take photos of this stuff right up front without any glass, you know. And all I thought, thank you. Anyway, one of the tablets that she gave me that I wanted to see, tells the story of a time when Nebuchadnezzar appears to have lost his marbles, <laughs> you know, gone a bit crazy. He, he had some, 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 some issue. And this, this particular story is found in Daniel chapter, chapter 4. And let me tell the story, what it says in the Bible, and then what they've actually discovered in this ta- tablet and, and, and another one. Anyway, King Nebuchadnezzar, remember Jason, we talked about this guy having these dreams all the time in a previous presentation? Yeah. Well, he has another dream one night, and he dreams about this humongous big tree, and the tree is huge, and its fruit is the, is the food for all the animals and the birds of the whole planet, it says, you know, that part of the world. And uh, suddenly in the middle of this dream, there's a voice that says, chop the tree down. And, and, and the tree's chopped down and there's a stump in the ground that says, put an iron band around the stump for seven years. And the king wakes up. I mean, he's petrified. Remember, dreams are, mm. are omens of the future for the Babylonians or the Mesopotamians. So he calls his advisors, his, his psychics, his astrologers and so on, and they, they didn't know what it meant. So finally, he calls in Daniel. The prophet and, and he says, Daniel, this is this is the dream I've had. Tells him the story, and Daniel's speechless. Uh, and the king says, Come on, Daniel, cough up. What 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 does what does it mean? You're able to tell me in the past what my dreams meant. He said, uh, Well, king, I wish this dream it was about your enemies, but king, it's actually about you. Now, you don't really tell kings back in those times what they don't want to hear. 
because you lose your head for that sort of stuff. But Daniel, he says, this is what it means, King, because this is what God has shown me, what this means. He says, the tree represents you. You become big. You're a, you're a powerful monarch. You, you rule this part of the world. And uh, he says, um, uh, but King, you, you haven't acknowledged that there is a God in heaven. You, you've, 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 you know, you've done it your way and you've ignored God and, and God's trying to get your attention. And he says, so what's going to happen is something's terrible going to happen to you. You're going to actually lose your kingdom for a period of seven years until you acknowledge that there is a God in heaven and that he, you know, he cares about us. So the king says, basically, thank you very much, Daniel. You can go your, you go your way. <laughs> a year later, this guy's standing on his looking over his beautiful city of Babylon, which was one of the wonders of the world, and he says, man, this is such a great place that I've built mm. for my great majesty. And yeah, he's really, I mean, he's got an ego bigger than Muhammad Ali. You know, I'm the greatest. Mm. <laughs> and, and, and suddenly there's a voice from heaven that says, chop the tree down. You know, in other words, you know, let's, fulfill dream, this, yeah. let's fulfill this mm. dream. So the king goes out and he lives like an animal. By the way, the archaeologists have actually discovered a tablet that says this, and it's, it's Nebuchadnezzar's tablet. says, The fortifications of Esagila and Babylon, I strengthened and established the name of my reign forever. Exactly what the Bible says, this guy had an ego problem, mm. and now he's lost his mind. In fact, uh, medical scientists have a term for what, what he has. We call it lycanthropy, which is a wolf man syndrome, or boanthropy, an ox man syndrome. You go around mooing like a cow or barking like a dog. And so he had a mental health issue here. And he lives there like an animal for seven years. And finally, <clears throat> must have been, he sort of looks at himself after seven years out in the bush, you know, fingernails like claws and you know, hair all over his body. He's, he's you know, just been living like an animal. And he must have looked at himself and thought, Seven years ago, Daniel predicted this, and this is what I am. And then he basically said, God help me. And he looked up and said, you know, that was what he was saying, God help me. And instantly, his mind returned to him, and he was put back in, in the king's seat. Now, this tablet that I, was, that I came to the British Museum to look at actually talks about the fact that there was a time in his life when it seems that he appeared to have lost his mind. But the point for this story is, is this, Jason, in my opinion, <clears throat> pardon me, this guy was transformed. That's the only chapter in the whole of the book of Daniel that's not written by Daniel. It's written by Nebuchadnezzar, who's a monarch. And he says, I want the whole world to know about what God has done for me and how he's, how he's changed my life and, and dramatically you know, really helped me when I was caught between a rock and a hard place. So just an incredible story, Jason. In fact, um, we probably ought to have another song. And then I want to share a couple of stories of what's happened in uh, in my own journey in, as far as the supernatural is concerned, especially in, in, in regard to some people I've worked with and uh, in my own parents. So when we come back, let me share some of those stories. I've got a great, uh, great uh, offer today, Jason. Talk about a book that I really want to put in the hands of our listeners. We should, we should give that number to our listeners because I haven't done that yet. Our, our show number is 0488-880-891. That's 0488-880-891. And uh, the title of our offer today is called Forgiven, but we'll give you a bit more, a bit, a bit more information about that uh, in the next section. Um, and just remember, if you've got any questions or queries, you can contact us on that number as well. Just send a text in and we do monitor that. Let's go to this break with uh, I Believe by BJ Thomas.
I believe for every drop of rain that falls, a flower grows. I believe that somewhere in the darkest night, a candle glows. I believe for everyone who goes astray, someone will come to show. Smallest prayer will still be heard. I believe that someone in the great somewhere hears every word. Every time I hear a newborn baby cry or touch a leaf or see the sky. Believe by B.J. Thomas. Uh, you were saying, Gary, it's a beautiful song. That's one of your favourites. Yeah, I love that song. It's uh, you know, uh, there's so much evidence. That's really what he's singing about: evidence from nature, and that there's somebody out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gary, you've got a few stories to share and experiences. Yes. yes, Jason, I'm really excited about. You know, these ones are more about the the transformation that that takes place in people's lives when they. When they, you know, call out for the help of God. Let me share with a story. Of my own parents. My my parents were not believers at all. They they hardly almost knew what, who Jesus was. For example, um, they lived for two things. They told us, you know, when I was when I was younger, and they shared the story with us this weekend and next weekend. Because this week <laughs> this weekend they partied on, and then they put their head in the toilet bowl on Sunday morning to get over it all. You know, the drinking and so on and so forth, and and then they'd wait for the whole week to do it all over again. That's uh, how they how they lived life, and I guess you know there's not much real satisfaction in that living for two, two weekends. Mm. Well, Mum's working in a shirt factory, and um, she meets a lady at the factory. She said, you know, she was she was so full of happiness. She had a peace of mind. She she was she knew she, knew she had meaning and purpose in life, and she had a hope for the future. And Mum thought. Man, what, what what makes this lady tick? So she, Mum got alongside this woman, young lady, and um, found out that it was a guy called Jesus. So this lady actually helped my mum to connect with Jesus, and so Mum became a Christian. And uh, as soon as she accepted Christ and, and gave her life to God, a voice spoke to her in her head, 
Now, let, let me just back off in the story. Up until this time, um, my older sister tells tells told me she's seven years older. Is that the, the home was very dysfunctional up to this point because yeah, Dad drunk a lot and Mum used to lock him out of the house. Mm. You know, not drunk in the house, <laughs> um, and so she'd lock him out of the house. And you know, the, the home was really falling apart. I was only a little, just been born at this stage, and uh, so so this voice says to Mum, "Don't lock." him out of the house anymore, your husband. Now, she's, she'd want to give him five of the very best. Well, she never did, but, you know. <laughs> when, but she'd go to the door and she said, I, I would pray on this side of the door, on the inside of the door, and she'd say, God, help me love this guy. And she said, immediately she said that, ask God for help there, the, the anger would just go away, and she'd open the door and welcome Dad home. Well, after a while, you know, you start to think, what's gone into this woman? How come she's different? What's mm. what's going on? Now, Dad used to tell, travel a lot for, back in those days, in Western Australia this was, uh, for PMG, you know, I don't know if you heard yeah, PMG. Yeah, Postmaster General. That's yeah. it, yeah, Telecom or something. Yeah, yeah it? well, it became Telecom. Became Telecom, yeah. yeah. So, so Dad used to travel a lot for them, and he was in his hotel room in Carnarvon on one visit. He's got his cigarette in one hand smoking like a chimney and he's got his beer glass in the other drinking like a fish. And uh, as he's there, a voice spoke to him in his head, Harvey, that's my dad, what are you doing with your life? He undoubtedly thought about what was happening in the home and mum's life and how things are changing. And right there in that hotel room, my dad basically said, God, I need your help. My life's a mess. You know, Jason, that was the last time my dad ever drank or smoked, and the home became a different place. Mm. It, it, it became a place of peace, and we were brought up in that environment. But it was only the power of God that did that. The the, the power of God when we invite him into our life. I, let me share with you another another couple of stories. I My wife and I lived in Fiji for five or six years, I was uh, training. Uh, I was a teacher out there in the, in, the, in just above Suva in Fiji, and um, we used to have kids from all over the South Pacific come and uh, study there at the, this college called Fulton College. And one of the kids that came came actually from Melbourne. They didn't normally come from Australia, but uh, Vilele Vilele was a Samoan gang member in the city of Melbourne, and he was a bit of an aggro young fellow back in his you know late teens and uh, Vilele you know would get so angry with the police sometimes that he'd drive straight for them when they come down the road in their car mm. and the police would have to get out the road I mean he was he was he was crazy well of course he went to jail for what he did and they threw him in solitary confinement as well and some so is this back in in this is Fiji, in Melbourne, no, this is in Melbourne. Melbourne right. I'm going to come to the Fiji okay. bit because right. he came to Fiji so. yeah so Vidali was put in solitary confinement. Someone, we don't know who it was, they went around the prison and were allowed to throw Bibles under the doors, and they threw one under his door. Well, Vidali's not going to read that thing. I mean, a Bible, he thought, it's for wimps, you know, and and ladies. That was his crazy thinking, you know. Um, But you get bored in prison, don't you? (laughs) In solitary confinement, I reckon you would. So he starts to read this thing, and as he read the Bible, the, the, the message in this book, began to transform his life. So Vilele, he gets out of prison and he decides, I'm going to do something with my life. So he comes to to study at Fiji because it's it's a, it's a Pacific Island teach, you know, uh, college. And so kids from Samoa, Tonga, right across the Pacific. And so he, he felt, this would be a great place for me. I'm, I'm a Samoan. 
Now, look, we every year I used to take students out to some city and we would rent a house and we'd all live in this house and we would go sharing the, the good news about the very things we're talking about with people. And Vilele and I roomed together during this time. Now, I could have left my whole wallet filled with cash and a thousand dollars on my on my bed and Vilele in the same room would not have taken a cent but wind the clock back 10 years and I'm telling you he'd almost slip my throat for a couple of dollars you know mm. for, for drug money or something the transformation in lives is absolutely incredible then let me share with you our listeners Jason one more this is this is a phenomenal story because in my work I I travel right across the Pacific and other countries and I'm sharing programs. Uh, one, by the way, we're coming up in just a few weeks' time here in in uh, in across Tasmania, in actual fact, called Prophetica. Uh, maybe we'll say more about that another day. But mm. um, I was sharing these meetings out in the Solomon Islands in in Honiara, capital of the Solomons, and I met a guy called uh, called Alex Fafale. Now, Alex told me uh, the story of how his life had been transformed. So let me just share with you uh, what he shared with me. Alex said, you know, I was a, I was a violent drinker in my <laughs> past, meaning when I drank, I got really aggro. In fact, he said, I went to jail the first time because I nearly killed a guy. The second time, I went to jail because I nearly killed another guy when I was drunk. Third time, I I, I don't remember what that one was, but probably the same reason. The fourth time, he said, I went to jail, the last time, because I took on the police in the ANZ Bank in Honiara, Mm -hmm. and they gave me four years for that one. Mm -hmm. So he's in jail there in, in Honiara in the Solomons, and he hears that his wife, while he's in jail, has had an affair with another guy and she's carrying the other guy's child mm. about to give birth. Alex is not happy. That, that, that's a, that's a, a recipe for rage. Exactly. <laughs> so, well, he gets out of jail after a while, and he's, he's in his home, sitting there in his home, and a voice spoke to him, an audible voice. And this is what it said, interesting words. Alex, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now, those are words from, from the Bible. Mm. In fact, they're Jesus' words. Alex knew, because he had a Christian background as a kid growing up, he knew this was really God speaking to him mm. from the, the words of the Bible. And so Alex got down and he said, God, my life is out of control. I need your help. So he gets off up his knees and his life begins to be transformed. He said he's with his wife in the marketplace just after this event and he saw Mr. Boyfriend. (laughs) He he grabs hold of his wife's hand, he said, and he raced over with his wife's hand, (laughs) holding his wife's hand, to this other guy and held the other guy's hand. And he said, I began to pray. I mean, you you do these things in the the Pacific Islands. He begins Mm. to pray and he says, God, um, please forgive my wife for what she did. And please forgive this guy for what he did. And he says, as I'm praying, another voice spoke to me in my head. And the voice said, kill him. <laughs> this, is, this is the old mm. Alex speaking in his head. Mm. He, said, he said, I kept praying because if I had stopped, I'd have killed the guy. Mm. You know, because I was so angry about it. He said, when we finished, there was a beautiful reconciliation between three people. Mm. This guy, his wife, and himself. Thank God he didn't listen to that other voice. (laughs) But that's not all, Jason. He said, um, 
by the way, I, I've, I've got a picture here in our studio I'm mm. showing you. I can and, see it. And yeah. Alex, you'll notice he's got two big things. He's got a big smile yeah. from ear to ear, and he's got a big scar on his forehead. Ah, yeah, I can see you that. You notice that? Yeah. He got that from uh, a fight when he was drunk, and uh, someone took to him with a bush knife. Now, bush knives are... Lethal. Lethal. Yeah, I mean, these lethal. things they use to cut grass. They cut heads pretty well, too, if you're not careful. Um, and so he had this massive scar there mm. across his forehead. But he said, you know, I went to the market another day, and I saw the guy that gave me the scar. He said, I raced over to this guy, and I grabbed hold of his hand, and he said he started to shake like a leaf. He thought his days were done because he knew Alec in the past. Mm. And he said, you know what? I said to this guy, I said, don't be afraid. Jesus is my friend, and now you're my friend. Mm. Jason, that's the power, the transforming power of the good news of the Bible. Mm. Lives change. To me, that's the greatest evidence that there's someone out there that can transform lives like, as I said, my parents, uh, Vilele, and now Alex there. So perhaps we should have a good song that goes with that. Um, Amazing Grace, Jason. Yeah, we'll we'll do that in a moment. I'm going to just share with our listeners the uh, offer for today, the book. It's titled Forgiven, and uh, the the way it's written is the number four and GVN, Forgiven. Forgiven. <laughs> uh, but it's in brackets, the word forgiven. Tell us a bit about that. It's a, it's a powerful testimony of a ghetto preacher, Willie Ramos. Uh, Willie Ramos is capturing the hearts of youth everywhere. They call him the ghetto preacher. I was there when my homeboy Roland Martinez killed a dude named Manny. I could have called the police. I didn't. I could have stopped him. Why didn't I? Maybe it was my loyalty to the mean streets or my fidelity to our street gang. Or maybe it was just my street knowledge kicking in, saying, see no evil, hear no evil. I didn't do anything. That Friday, I just froze. Or if I want to be honest with you... I did do something, something bad. I watched. I even held him down as Roland stabbed him four times. On the streets of Miami, Willie Ramos was known as a gangster, a thief, a drunk, homeless, sometimes suicidal. He was always ready for a fight. After that Friday, Willie waited in a jail cell, charged with murder. Today, Willie is charged up with a burning desire to share God's message of love and forgiveness to people who haven't been given much hope. His non-traditional, in-your-face type of preaching is reaching people where others don't even dare to speak. How can a man change that much? Step into Willie's shoes and see what God can do. Listen to this ghetto preacher as he presents the truth of the unconditional love of Jesus to a new generation of believers in baggy pants. Great book, eh? It is. Now, immediately after this song, I'll give you the code for that. So uh, hang in there. It's uh, it's not far away. We're going to listen to Amazing Grace, and this is sung by Celtic Woman. It's a, uh, a beautiful piece of music that uh, almost sounds like a bit of a movie score. Mm. Um, yeah, I love it. You can just imagine the hills of... Uh, Ireland or England there somewhere. With a bit of fog. Yeah, a bit of fog and the bagpipes playing. So, beautiful version of Amazing Grace by Celtic Woman.
Amazing Grace by Celtic Woman. Now, Gary, just before the break, I said we'd give the code for our book offer today, the book titled Forgiven, and we gave the uh, details about that. Our code is DIG6. That's the word DIG, D-I-G, and the number six, no spaces. You can text that into 0488 880891. So I encourage you to do that. Uh, to read this amazing story and pa- powerful testimony from this preacher, Willie Ramos. Great book. Great yeah. Book. Gary, you've got one last story. Yeah, Jess, and connected to that beautiful song we just heard, Amazing Grace. Uh, many people not, may not realise where that uh, the words of that song came from. Actually, uh, let me take you back to the Wembley Stadium back in the early 90s. They were having a, a rock concert in the Wembley Stadium to celebrate the end of apartheid in South Africa. And this rock concert was uh, an event organised at the Wembley Stadium to, 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 to commemorate that, uh, that event. Now, of all people, Jason, the, the organisers of the event had decided to have as the last uh, item for the, for the program um, an opera singer. Would you believe putting an opera singer in with the heavy metal bands? I mean... Interesting. <laughs> who, would think, who would think of such a thing? Interesting combination. Yeah, so the, the last item is going to go to Jesse Norman. Jesse Norman's a famous uh, opera diva, opera singer uh, from the United States, and, and, and she's in the dressing room about to go out onto the stage in, in, in a while. And um, the kids, of course, they're high on drugs and alcohol after a whole day in the stadium, and, and the, the crew's asking her, so, Jesse, what are you going to sing out there when you get out there? She says, well, I'm going to sing this song called Amazing Grace. I said, uh, okay, so tell us a little bit about it. She says, well, <clears throat> and she tells the story of John Newton. Now, John Newton is a seven-year-old kid. His mum died. She was a Christian woman, and she'd brought him up to in the things of God. But his dad was a sea captain, and a, sea, a sailor, I should say. And So when mum dies, of course, young Newton, by the age of 10, he's a sailor with his dad. And, I mean, sailing in those days was not a great life for a kid. Mm. You know, the environment was pretty, pretty rough. And so Newton's... Newton, that's part of his life. And anyway, to cut a long story short, Newton is uh, becomes a captain of a of a ship himself, but it's selling human cargo mm-hmm. from Africa to the Caribbean. You know, slave trade, slave and trade, yeah. horrible thing. You know you, what they would often do, Jason. The, the the idea was to get as many slaves at the other end as possible, so you could make your money, knowing you'd lose a whole lot on the way. So they'd stack them in like almost like books on a shelf, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, really stack them in and. It was a horrific thing. Anyway, Newton's uh, one night he's out there on the ship sailing, and and, it, and his ship hits a storm. Yeah. And I mean, he, he he thought he was done. This storm raged for about four days, and he thought we're we we're, we're done. I, I'm a sailor, an experienced sailor, but you know, amazingly, the ship made it to port, very badly beaten. But Newton knew that this was a an no. event. A divine moment. No, nobody could have saved them from what they'd been through. And mm. so Newton starts to read the Bible. And eventually the Bible transforms his life. He gave up the slave trade, realizing this is incompatible with the good news of a God who loves everybody. So while you're selling humans. And Newton became a believer. In fact, he became a Christian. And he wrote the words of that famous song, Amazing Grace, of how God had changed his own life, transformed him. And, and uh, it's now probably one of the most well-known well, uh, Christian hymns not uh, only on the planet. It is. It became mm. number one on the hit parade, you may remember, a few years ago with the bagpots. Right. It was, uh, it was a, it, it's a powerful words. Anyway, um, 
Jessie tells that story. Mm. And then she's about to go out to the stage to sing. So she goes out on the stage. There's no backing band for her. She's going to do it a cappella, you know, no music backing. So she stands there, and the kids begin to hiss and boo in this great big stadium. What's this woman out here? What do you think she's up to? Give us guns and roses, they said. Well, give us the heavy metal bands, an encore from them, that get off the stage sort of thing. They're getting quite nasty. But Jessie stands her ground, and she begins to sing Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound. I should sing it. Probably that wouldn't be good for the listeners. (laughs) (laughs) You know, she starts to sing those words, and the stadium starts to go quiet. By the time she gets to the second and third verses, the kids are remembering from way back in when they were little kids, you know, maybe Sunday school or something, how they used to sing those words. And by the time she gets to the last stanza, the last verse, the whole stadium is singing this song when we've been there 10,000 years, you know, and so on. And she goes back into the dressing room and she's asked Jessie, those kids were ready to tear you apart. What made the difference? Well, it was amazing grace. The mm. transforming power of God to change a heart that sometimes is pretty rough. And that's that's the power, in my opinion, that's one of the greatest evidences for the supernatural. Mm. That's well, that's an amazing story. As well, we've had a few amazing stories today. Yeah, Gary. we could share many, many more. I'm going to share with my own one day. Yeah, good. Uh, hopefully that'll be uh, soon. Um, Gary, just a reminder to our listeners, our offer for the book today is DIG6, that's D-I-G-6, and you can text that into 0488 Uh Now, Gary, next week, uh, next Tuesday on your program, what's going to be your topic? Well, I want to go to the marvellous world of nature and science next week too, because I believe there we see some tremendous evidence what science have found. One of my privileges that I've had, Jason, is actually study biochemistry and pathology and do my um, you know, bachelor's degree. So was that your original degree? That was my original. I started oh. off doing medicine. And I'm, I'm amazed at what we see in, in nature mm. for evidence that there's somebody out there. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we look forward to that. And uh, tomorrow's program with Ryko Cilic. Uh, he's continuing his study on Jesus' final week. And the title is The Sadducees and the Resurrection. Sounds interesting. So uh, join us tomorrow at 9am or 4.30pm uh, in Tassie, if you're listening in Tassie, uh, for tomorrow's program with Ryko. I'm just going to leave you with this little thought today. Uh, it's from the Bible, from Ephesians 2.10. It says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So as you go about your business today, may you do the good things that he has planned for you. We're just going to uh, finish up and and go out now with our normal uh, wrap-up music. Um, It's called Come Thou Fount, this one. Great to be with you again today, Jason. Yeah, we'll uh, look forward to joining us next week, Gary.